Welcome to the sixth episode of In Conversation With, a Fulbright Canada podcast. I'm Cheryl, a 2020 to 2021 Killam Fellow, and now a social media assistant here with Fulbright Canada. I recently had a conversation with Jacob, a 2021 to 2022 Fulbright Student Award holder, now based at Caltech. Jacob is enormously enthusiastic, both in the honing of his musical interests and in his excellence of astrophysics. I hope you'll enjoy this taster in radio astronomy and gain insight also into what a Fulbright Student Award could mean for you, personally and professionally. My name is Jacob Faber. My field of study is astrophysics or astronomy. I haven't been at Oberlin for almost two years now, but my time there was was really wonderful. It was, I think, a, a great place for me to sort of develop myself as a student, as a scientist. When I arrived there, it was pretty clear to me that I wanted to do something within physics, even before coming there. My initial goal was to do music, because Oberlin has a pretty famous but very vibrant music community and conservatory. My initial aim was to pursue that, but then after being there for a few months, I got to know this really lovely professor in the physics department who was also a radio astronomer and he, we hit it off pretty quickly and he was telling me about his research and about his lab and and just through talking with him i got to see this completely new field of study that i hadn't been exposed to before after working with him on studying these types of objects i got interested in astronomy more generally i really found my niche in radio astronomy like most areas of astrophysics there are millions of different tendrils that extend out into different subfields i think just because i was exposed to it first Radio astronomy was really sort of where I felt like I could maybe make the biggest impact. I think the liberal arts experience that Oberlin offers was also really great for me because I was able to take a more diverse selection of classes and got exposed to other fields within the humanities, generally like political theory and and philosophy. And so I ended up double majoring in physics and philosophy while I was there. I think that helped a lot in terms of my approach to research just because I think, I mean, both fields involve sort of pretty abstract thinking. I'm a dual citizen between the U.S. and the Netherlands. And so I sort of grew up half there and half in the States. And that happened to be particularly useful because the Netherlands also has a really rich radio astronomy community that my research advisor at the time happened to to sort of work in quite frequently. He had a lot of collaborators over in the Netherlands, particularly at the University of Amsterdam, which is where the city where I, I grew up. So when I sort of joined his group, he was like, oh my gosh, this is the perfect opportunity for someone to bridge the gap in terms of language, but also in terms of research. And so I, I spent those months sort of working at the University of Amsterdam with some people over there. And that's kind of how I got involved in the, the field that I ended up doing my Fulbright in. The, the topic of, of my research up at McGill was on this mysterious class of radio transient events, which are it's just kind of a, a astro jargon for these like bursts, very brief bursts of, of radio waves that are coming from sort of all over the sky. And they're very, they're very short lived. They're only like a, a few milliseconds wide. And so basically you just see these blips these little highly energetic bursts of radio waves coming at you from all these different directions. And most of them are coming from outside our galaxy even. So they need to be produced by really, really energetic phenomena or energetic objects. 
While it certainly sounds like the stars aligned in Jacob's case, as every student knows, there are many parts to an education, ranging from guidance counselors to career events. The parts that make up the sums of who we've become are, for lack of a better word, countless. But for many Fulbright Award recipients like myself, where the Fulbright journey started can be much easier to identify. I'd known about Fulbright for, for a while. Oberlin has <laughs> kind of tries to emphasize a lot of Oberlin students end up doing Fulbrights, and so they were very encouraging of that. But I didn't seriously think about applying until the summer of my sophomore year, which was, so during that summer, I spent um, about three months at the McGill Space Institute with Professor Vicki Caspi, who I also did my Fulbright with, and the collaboration that that she leads and that that I was a part of is called CHIME. So CHIME stands for the Canadian Hydrogen Intensity Mapping Experiment, which is, it's it's sort of an acronym that's the name of a collaboration, but it's also the name of a telescope, sort of a, basically a, a transit radio telescope that's located in British Columbia, Canada, but the group that leads the effort to observe these things called fast radio bursts that I mentioned before, they're based at McGill. So back at that time in, in 2018, the telescope was just coming online, so they had just finished commissioning the telescope and it had seen first light and it was very exciting and I was trying to figure out what to do that summer and it was actually in Amsterdam that someone mentioned to me they were like oh you should go you should go work for Chime like they're just turning on now it's gonna be a really amazing experiment I ended up just sending a cold email to to Vicky Caspi at McGill and she was like yeah come on over and she just kind of offhand mentioned to me that if I was if I wanted to come for a longer period of time, then I should consider applying for a Fulbright. And that was something I hadn't considered. And so I was thinking this is this would be two years down the road after graduating. And when that eventually came around and I was applying to grad schools, I thought back to sort of her her sort of her her recommendation and and I, I just decided to apply. Certainly sounds to me that Jacob has combined the element of discovery with a thrill of collaborating with others. It's really exciting to hear about all the academic achievements, a paper for one, that Jacob has experienced during his Fulbright exchange. But as a Canadian, I'm also quite curious to hear whether any aspect of living in Canada surprised him or resonated with him the most. I think the the moment that I think sticks out the most is... It was it was nearing the end of my time in Canada, sort of I guess two months or so before I before I left. I started noticing certain events that had these really strange features that that I'd never seen before. So I saw one that looked super, super strange. And then I showed it to the collaboration and everybody kind of freaked out. And I was like, well, you think that's crazy? <laughs> like, look at all these, <laughs> look at like these 10 other events that are the same like type of crazy but for different reasons they they just deviated so strongly from the traditional model that we were that we had sort of adopted to kind of to characterize these these events and and it was really at that moment that I kind of I thought we were onto something big and so this was kind of that that moment for me and and it's turned into a paper now and I got to present the the results at conferences and it was completely by accident, but it was really, really gratifying. So that's probably one of the biggest highlights of that year. 
sounds like it's the element of discovery combined with the ability to share that excitement with your collaborators and other esteemed professionals in the field. Congratulations on the paper. Thanks. It's very exciting. I'm so glad that you're able to discover this on your Fulbright and have it kind of trickle down into all of these different trajectories that your academic career has kind of taken. Has there been any kind of other cultural potential, like experiential aspects of being in Canada that really stuck out to you also outside of the lab? Montreal is a wonderful city in terms of cultural integration as well, like being in Quebec, it's extremely bilingual. Over my time there, I, I interacted with a lot of Francophone people and um, really tried to improve my my French. And I think that enriched my experience greatly just because I grew up in a, in a bilingual household. And I, I, I love the opportunity to sort of not force someone to to sort of appease me in, in adopting the language that I'm most comfortable with and instead putting in the effort to adopt the language that that the people there are most comfortable with. But I think the one of the most gratifying or, or fruitful experiences in terms of getting acquainted with the, the larger community in Montreal was through this outreach program that a friend of mine in my research group had started called Space Explorers. And basically what we did was prior to the pandemic, we would go, two of us, two grad students would go in person to a classroom filled with third, fourth, fifth graders and sort of collab like in in partnership with the the teacher there, we would spend an hour going over some lesson that we had designed for them. We operated in this inquiry-based learning model, basically like the Socratic method, just asking questions and having them get to the end by by just asking them leading questions until they understood whatever concept we were teaching that day whether that was gravity, density, buoyancy, sort of all of these kind of very general basic physics kind of questions that we could design sort of a, a lab around. So what we would do is we would either ask that the teacher provide or that we would provide basic supplies, kind of household supplies that we could do an experiment with to get them a hands-on experience of whatever concept we were we were teaching we ended up doing that remotely and sort of just over Zoom. But it was a really wonderful, like every experience going at, into different classrooms was very unique. The children are all very different. And I was just consistently amazed at how curious and like bright seven and eight-year-olds can be, fostering that curiosity and 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 helping them sort of see the the beauty in, in even these sort of basic concepts in physics was was really wonderful and definitely made me feel more in touch with sort of the Montreal community at large. Now, Jacob's not been at Oberlin for a few years, and he wasn't chatting with me from McGill either. So how did Jacob's experience as an undergraduate at Oberlin and as a Fulbright student award holder at McGill help support him to become the person he is today and to have wound up where he is now? Yeah, so so currently I'm in, in my last term of my first year of grad school. I ended up, so basically when I applied for my Fulbright, I was applying for grad schools at the same time. And I got into the, the California Institute of Technology or Caltech, where I am now that, that year. And so I ended up, once I got the Fulbright, I was like, I was really eager to pursue that. So I decided to defer 
the the grad school program that I'm in is a, a PhD program. And so I, I decided to defer that by a year. And because I, I knew that the the work that I'd be doing at McGill would be really, really useful for the work that I'd be doing here at Caltech. And because the, the research I'm doing here is also focused on fast radio bursts or FRBs. So, so yeah, so I'll, I'll be here for the next next few years, finishing up the PhD. The Fulbright really was honestly kind of the perfect stepping stone into grad school. It was also, it was, I mean, it was a, a godsend in many ways because I, I think I was coming out of undergrad sort of with a lot of, a lot of excitement and a strong desire to like get my feet wet in research. And I knew that grad school would be, at least in my first year, would be a lot of courses and, you know, problem sets and, and a lot of work on actually learning and studying. But I really just wanted to do research. And so coming to the, the leash was was let go and I could just kind of go in any direction I wanted to. It gave me a bit of a break from the school and allowed me to sort of focus on the work. And then once I got here, I, I was just filled with ideas that I wanted to pursue. And so... Currently here at Caltech, we're working on building a new telescope, an array of telescopes actually called the the Deep Synoptic Array up in a, a desert sort of north of here called Owens Valley Radio Observatory. And so we're building this, this array of 110 sort of smaller five meter dishes to observe fast radio bursts. But the goal of the telescope, like the specific science strength of the telescope will be to, to localize them really precisely. But this telescope will really be amazing at sort of pinpointing exactly where they're coming from on the sky so that we can identify which galaxies they're coming from. And that tells us a lot more about sort of what's causing them. The exciting bit is that because of my time at McGill, this is sort of similar to how in undergrad, there were good opportunities to sort of bridge between research groups. Currently, I'm working here with this telescope, but I'm also still involved with the CHIME collaboration of McGill. And we're, we're working really hard to sort of do follow-up research. So when CHIME detects something, A, the Deep Synoptic Array will localize that event really precisely. So we can do a lot of sort of collaborative science that way, which is really exciting because even though my Fulbright was over, I desperately didn't want to leave. I was still really obsessed with the research that CHIME was doing and, and, and wanted to continue that. Finally, here are a few tips that Jacob could offer you should you be interested in applying for a Fulbright Student Award. I guess that the asterisk to this is that I it's a it's a, a single data point for me. I think whatever someone applies to one of these things, there's some element of of chance to what's gonna what's gonna pan out. And I knew that going in. My advice would be to find try and find an opportunity where there's an element of uniqueness, but also a slight element of urgency. So for example, when I applied for Chime or to work with Chime, the the uniqueness was sort of fast fast radio burst, this really exciting field that happened to be sort of coming alive um, at that time. And Chime was really the the instrument that could that could push that field forward when no other instrument could at that time. I knew that this 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 window of opportunity to actually make a, a splash in the field was was not going to exist forever. And and given that that Chime had this capability that no other telescope had. You know, the the work was kind of done for me in terms of finding a reason to to or finding the the significance of uh, of the project. I think those probably make for a pretty strong application, I would guess. But you might know better than me. 
No, I, I don't know. I had a Fulbright experience also during my undergrad. I did a KLM exchange and I agree. It, sometimes it's a bit of a roll of a dice. So many people apply and a lot of people I understand also apply more than once. So there isn't any secret sauce, but I think certainly, as you say, being really passionate about a specific subject that you're really dedicating your academic studies to certainly yeah. does not hurt. It doesn't hurt to reach out for a hand when applying. It certainly doesn't hurt to apply either. Just a reminder, Fulbright Canada Student Awards for American and Canadian students are now open. Jacob's journey has revealed to me the many facets of research, even within a singular field as broad and as seemingly opaque as astrophysics. It was a real treat to hear about his enthusiasm for collaboration and for astrophysics too. I hope you enjoyed his commentary as much as I did. So until next time, take care. And if you'll be applying for a Fulbright Award, Good luck on completing your application.